morning, everyone. It's Judith A. Cope. You're listening to Mad Love. Welcome. It is Wednesday, June 2nd. I hope everybody's doing well this morning. Um, if you didn't catch that Mike Tyson documentary last night, you're missing out. That was the second part. Very compelling stuff. I'm sure ESPN had something to do with it. It's just shocking that it was on ABC to me. It was almost too good for network TV. It was very well done. Um, I liked how they were able to show uh, differing viewpoints, uh, especially around the rape case. I was older than 18, which was the age of the victim. Um, it, and I remember being torn, like, why would she go? I had just graduated from college, so I was probably uh, 21. And I didn't understand why she went to his room. And as an older person and as a person who is more familiar with these types of cases now, it it doesn't matter. You know, you should be able to go to someone's room and change your mind or it's not going the way you thought you want to leave and you can't because this person has made it clear like you came up here uh, for sex and we're going to have sex. Uh it should be that way. I just know that it's not. And as a woman, I've always been really protective of myself. Like, if I wasn't sure about a situation, no matter what, if I felt like it could go left and I wouldn't be able to get out of it, I didn't want to go. It didn't matter what it was. Uh, it could have been a party. It could have been, um, you know, a date. It could have been anything. And I would have been like, no. Because I never wanted to get trapped somewhere and be forced to do something I didn't want to do. Um, and I'm not blaming the victim. I don't do that. I think it's been made very clear on this podcast. I tend to listen and lean towards the victims. Um, but yeah, that one was tough. And I remember it being tough. But I don't, I, I don't recall watching and I probably did but I don't recall watching the scenes you know from the courthouse and you know all these women just I mean the dichotomy of it is what was strange all these women are throwing themselves at him and this black expo thing it looked very interesting um I don't recall ever ever having even heard of that thing and the sheer number of girls who seemed to be throwing themselves at him and he picked one who would not acquiesce. And then they kind of make it seem like she was, you know, saying he was rich and dumb and she could get some of his money. But, you know, she was 18 and I and tiny. And, you know, I, I think people make weird decisions when they're young. And youth is wasted on the young. So I'm not sure what happened in that room. Only those two people really, truly know. Um, But uh, just incredible uh, work. Because also, too, it really does point out, because the victim was black, it seemed like there was just a group of people who were ferociously against her. And they were black, too. You know, and the specialist that they had to talk about it, um, the reporter, a black female, former black, well, she's still black, former employee of the New York Times, black female writer. She was making it 
making the case that, you know, oftentimes uh, women, well, she didn't even say it that way. I said it. She said, and sometimes uh, women of color are victimized by men of color. And I'm like, most times, you know, I get during slavery and post-slavery years, there was a lot of um, racial rape, racial sexual violence towards women, uh, black women. But if you look at any local newspaper right now with the spike in domestic violence, and it's probably always been there, we just don't report it. You know, uh, women of color often are victimized by their intimate partner who happens to be black. And um, I think someone put it eloquently, more eloquently than I'm going to put it, which is uh, because men are also being, black men are also being mistreated when they mistreat black women. Somehow it's just not as, it's just viewed differently. Um, You know, he's a victim of something too. So he's beating you up and basically shit runs downhill which is not an adequate analogy. It is not a solution. And we do need to report, no matter who does these things to us, we should report them when we should charge them and we should try to help them get the help that they need. Nobody should live like that. And when you hear his background, where he was, you know, molested and and this is Mike Tyson, and abused and neglected and... I mean, really left to fend for himself in a very dangerous environment. Um, Of course, he was going to turn out the way he turned out. And, uh, you know, did he rape her? I don't know. We'll never really know. Um, I'm going to speculate. This is all speculation that she got in the room. It wasn't romantic. Things got rough and... uh, he wasn't charming. He wanted to have sex and it wasn't a storybook and probably didn't feel great. Um, you know, it's just, it's a very, very tricky, slippery slope. And, um, I don't know. He was bound to go to jail for something. Let's put it that way. He was very admittedly wild and he was raised by the streets. So he definitely was going to be wild. Um, as a boxer though, before he went to jail, I had never seen anything like that. So I still stand in awe of that. But unlike a lot of the girls that I never wanted to like date him, like some of the girls in this pageant were like, Oh my God. Even when he was old, this girl, like he was like 40. This woman was begging for his sweaty t-shirt. I just don't understand. I really don't understand. She wanted him to take the T-shirt off of his sweaty back and give it to her. And by this point, he was repulsed by people. Like, you know, really? Um, And there's no training for that kind of fame. There's no training for that level of fame. And young people today won't understand it because they, they follow people that are famous that their parents have never heard of. You can be famous on YouTube and nobody over a certain age has ever even heard of you. It wasn't like that back then. Um, 
if you were Michael Jackson, your grandmother knew Michael Jackson, your mother listened to Michael Jackson, you listened to Michael, your dad listened to Michael Jackson. Everybody knew who Michael Jackson was. Um, same with Michael Jordan. Uh, just being famous back in those days, it was only one way to be famous. And everybody knew who you were. And there's a certain amount of pressure that comes with that. And, you know, even still, I've watched a couple of YouTube stars implode uh, from from the pressure. You know, it, it is challenging. It's hard to be famous because it's such a false reality. Uh, it's nothing. It's not real. It's like cotton candy. It's like you put it in your mouth and it, it dissolves. Famous is very much like that. It's a trap. It looks appealing and enticing, but it really is just you getting trapped in a mirror where everybody judges you and, and um, you know, they love to see you go up, but then they also can't wait to celebrate you go your fall. And then, you know, in Tyson's case, you know, the the just the ferocity of the loyalty. Yeah, it was really interesting. It's really interesting when uh, women don't empathize with other women. I I just I, and I know I've been that person at times like, you know, I again, I at 23 or no, I was 21. I wondered why she went to his room and I wasn't blaming her. I just didn't understand that decision. You know, if you don't want to be alone with Mike Tyson, don't go to Mike Tyson's room. And it sounds like you still don't want to go. <laughs> Although he's come a long way. He's a great advertisement for therapy and what therapy can do, you know. Um, but yeah, it's an amazing journey. And I'm proud of him because, you know, it takes a lot to go and unpack those boxes, especially when you come from such a hard neighborhood. Can you imagine if he had just been raised by two loving parents who, um, you know, looked after him and and gave him financial and emotional security. We probably he'd probably be a teacher somewhere. He's he's got a very curious mind. So anyway, if you get a chance to watch it, I think you will enjoy it. There, I'm sure they're somewhere online now. Um, but it's called Mike Tyson: The Knockout. Very well done. Good job. Um, after I declared yesterday that I was not into philosophy, I just you know, I was working from home and I, I listen to things as I work because it helps me focus. And uh, all of a sudden, Google, YouTube was like, oh, no, you love philosophy. Here are a bunch of interesting philosophy videos. So I posted them uh, on my website, madlovepodcast.com. Go to the blog portion, which is called Thoughts. Um, very interesting stuff. You know, if you want to expand your mind, I'm not a sci-fi girl. I don't particularly get into um, a whole bunch of, uh, you know, kind of otherworldly stuff. But I do, I am fascinated and I am always drawn towards things that help explain the human existence and, um, you know, this weird kind of space that we're in. So check those videos out. I I really enjoyed um, working on those uh, or listening to those and I, you know, put them up on that website because I was hoping somebody would want to listen to them. Uh, 
really just fascinating stuff. I mean, people are fascinating if you think about it. And there's so much of this existence that we cannot explain. Some of it just absolutely makes no sense. And um, not that this will um, help you, but it opens up a portal uh, of a different way to look at things, you know, and uh, that's what I'm into. You never know. You know, you just never know. Like, literally, this this scientist breaks down why reality isn't real. And then he uses science to help explain God. And even then, it's still like what? (laughs) You feel like you're staring into infinity because there's never any answers. And yes, I just said yesterday that I don't care for situations like that. And while it's not my favorite, it was just, it was very, very, very unique, right? It was just, it's really cool stuff. So check out those videos. Um, If you get a chance, madlovepodcast.com. So yeah, life is good. We're into June. We're going to see what goes on from here. Like I said, if you get a shot, watch those Mike Tyson uh, documentaries. Uh, Parts one and two, both very well done. Um, And like I said, he is a poster child for what therapy can do. It can really transform your life if you allow yourself to yield to that process and unpack all of those bags. And uh, that was deep. So yeah, life is good. I hope all is well. Thank you for listening. Um, Like I said, you guys have been amazing. You can listen in all kinds of places. Uh, Stitcher, Spotify. I get the least listens through Anchor, which I understand. It's the app that I use to create the podcast. And I promise you, if I could find something better, I would switch. But there's just nothing right now that's easier or better or more cost effective. So I'm still looking um, and maybe, you know, the next iteration of the show when we get uh, the the content deal that I'm looking for and we can, you know, expand the production of this. Maybe then, you know, it'll reveal itself to me. But for now, it's Anchor and uh, you can't even find my podcast on Anchor now. It's not even listed, so. We belong to the world. Produced on Anchor, uh, we belong to the world. Um, Yeah, so uh, we're also on Amazon now. You can check us out. You can find us on Audible, Amazon. I think it's Amazon Music. Uh, You can find us there. You can find us everywhere. It's Mad Love, uh, a Just Media Works production, and hosted by yours truly, Judith A. Culp. I appreciate you for listening, as always. Please have a wonderful day. Um, again, there are a large number of people who uh, are just simply over COVID. They're not interested in talking about it. They're not going to get a vaccine. It's done. And yet there are all these new mutations showing up. And so uh, that's curious. <laughs> This should be a very interesting next six months, I think. So, um, yeah, just stay tuned and stay. Hey, keep washing your hands. I don't understand people don't wash their hands. And, uh, you know, if you if you feel sketch about a group, put that mask on. I don't care what anybody's saying. We need to like really because there's nobody you're we're going on the honor system. If somebody hasn't been fully vaccinated, are they really going to tell us the truth? 
you know, I don't understand this whole like, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't get that. Just go, just don't wear your mask if you're, you know, well, a lot of people are, have never worn masks. How are we going to know? So, yeah, you just got to be smart. You got to be offensive uh, or (laughs) don't be offensive. Be on the defensive and make sure that people understand, like, you know, hey, I don't trust you. I'm not sure what your situation is. I would not walk into a large group still without a mask because so many people just took it upon themselves to, like, never wear a mask. And now many of us are scared to walk around without the mask. I don't know. It's just crazy times. All right. Have a wonderful day. Please, please be your best. Oh, yeah. So I was uh, later in the evening, I was making dinner just before Mike Tyson came on. The very interesting and entertaining Citizen Ruth was on Alexander Payne's debut. Uh, it's from 1996. I'm going to expound upon these thoughts on the Mad Love podcast uh, blog because it, it interweaves with some of the with an article I read recently about the black wave of directors. And I would have been in that group in the early 90s probably all the way to like 97. I would say all the way to to Love Jones. There was just wave after wave of black films. Uh it's it it spilled a little bit into the early 2000s with like The Best Man and uh you know another Tay Diggs movie, I can't think Brown Sugar. But for the most part it really was happening in the 90s. There were like a there were black women directors. Uh Interesting, interestingly enough, it wasn't until the 90s until a major feature had been led by a black female director. And they were still small films, uh, but it, it was only 30 years ago that that was a thing. And I was coming out of film school ready to charge. I knew the environment that they were facing because I was taking meetings at the time. And it was like, what are y'all saying? it was just made very clear that they didn't believe black people could write movies about other black people that would make money or about anybody else that would make money. That was just the overarching message. So what's weird about Hollywood is, is it overarching or overarching? I don't know, but that word, uh, the right version of it. But what's weird about Hollywood is it gets this label for being super liberal, but it's really not. It's very conservative, and and some of the most offensive things I've ever heard were while I was in Hollywood. And I'm from St. Louis, where they're just now explaining to the world again what this veiled prophet ball thing is. Look it up; it's crazy. You go on Twitter, and they're finally like realizing <laughs> that Ellie Kemper from The Office and um, that that. Uh, funny show Kimmy Schmidt on uh, the unsinkable Kimmy Schmidt that when she was in St. Louis as a teenager she won this veil profit ball thing so anyway I'll talk more about that tomorrow I think that one's pretty fascinating as well but back to Citizen Ruth so Citizen Ruth is very funny dry dark humor uh love the movie it and I don't know that that it would get made today um 
But if you get a chance to watch it, it's pretty funny. Laura Dern is fantastic. She plays like a huffer who gets pregnant and then gets caught up in the middle of the um, abortion debate. And, uh, you know, there are fanatics on both sides, basically. And she gets caught up in it. And it's really, really funny. And I forgot how good it was. Um, but And so if you get a chance to watch that movie, it's fascinating. But also to... Uh, Ted Witcher's point, who was the director, Theodore Witcher, uh, who was the director of Love Jones, his movie did not make very much money. So there was no Love Jones. So it's a cult classic among amongst black people, but it didn't make a ton of money. And so I was watching Citizen Ruth and I was just curious. I'm like, wonder how much it, it did not make hardly any money. But yet Ted Witcher didn't get another shot really to make a movie. And Alexander Payne went on to do election, which is still also hilarious. But why is that? And it's fascinating to me that, you know, I love both of those movies. Wildly different. Love Jones uh, is is a vibe and it's cool and it's very black. They're, those people are like real black people. Uh, and Citizen Ruth is about a poor woman who's a drug addict and, you know, she has wildly varying morals. You know, you, you, it's just, it's dark humor. And it's really still quite telling. It still could be made today in terms of topic. But, you know, it's a tale of two directors. It's very fascinating. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. I'm going to expand on this concept on the blog today at some point. So check it out. But if you get a chance to watch Citizen Ruth, uh, check it out. You should. It's very funny, very dark humor, uh, very clever, great cast. Same is true for Love Jones. It's not super, I mean, it's not dark humor. <laughs> it's uh, a love story and it's fascinating and it's a good film. And I just, I hate that that's his only work, but uh, check them both out. And on that note, again, have a great day.